Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! We're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed. Rachel, welcome back. It's December, happy, Roberta. How is it December? Happy December. I was going to say happy belated Thanksgiving. I want to hear all about it, but first couple of royal housekeeping reminders email us at info at gallerypodcasts.com and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss one of our lovely episodes what are we talking about today there's a lot going on but not not too much i feel like there's there's two big things right yeah i feel like i don't know i think there's a lot so we have the princes in the press i feel like that kind of dominated the week the documentary by the bbc we're also talking about barbados officially becoming a republic there's a Duchess of Cambridge hosted Christmas concert coming up on December 8th. Ghislaine Maxwell trial updates, womp womp, and thoughts from me later on on the royally adjacent Princess Charlene. We also have a sheep sweater update. Thank you for sending in your delightful essays. Roberta, I can confirm, was legit in tears. Sent me a photo of herself <laughs> reading the beautiful essays we they received. They were so good. They were so, 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 so good. And we're going to read part of one. It was very difficult to a choose. Little bit. Um, yes. But Roberta, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a high school reunion as well? I did. I had our 10-year reunion. I also saw two movies in theaters. What did you weekend. see? I saw The French Dispatch <gasps> and House of Gucci. How were they? Tell me everything. <laughs> so French Dispatch was kooky and quirky and very good. I think I need to see it again to really fully embrace it. But I loved it. House of Gucci was kind of underwhelming i, hate I saw the reviews were mixed that. yeah i walked in and was like father son house of gucci like i was <laughs> ready for lady gaga and she did wow she did really crush how was adam role, driver but, oh my god so good i didn't Whew. really i didn't like love him before this and now i love him so i yeah, love it was, him it was the acting was incredible i think the movie was almost three hours and i still think they left a lot out so that that is what Wow. The takeaway is, is that there was just the storyline wasn't tight enough and concise enough to really drive the point home. But what about you? How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was fine. I totally logged off. I needed you to logged off, which is lovely. I needed to disconnect. I also, I have to admit, I needed a little bit of a detox from the Royals. Like I felt like with the princes in the press coming out, yeah. I just felt really overwhelmed. And I was glad to take a few days and just go underground and yeah. You know, just I think just having space in my own not head. literally underground, just not like, literally <laughs> underground, but just like uh, ignoring social, social media, media cleanse, yeah, <laughs> which is, is really always healthy. Good to do. It's yes. so healthy because I think that it allowed me to watch the documentary for my own opinions, and then we get to talk about it today, which we are about to do. So, royal refreshment. What are we sipping? And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Whatever we have, because yes. we're kind of well, we're going to kind of breeze through the royal refreshment today. I'm sorry for anyone who was looking for a holiday inspired cocktail. Maybe next time, but I do want to get into 
the incredible, incredible emails we got about the sheep sweater. Paulette's generous offer, if you missed it, was to give one of our listeners a sheep sweater who otherwise couldn't afford it. And we asked our listeners to write us in and say what it means to them. And I mean, Do we I like know a drum I speak roll? for both of us. Like, well, I just think, I mean, to give a shout out to everyone else who wrote in too, like we were blown away by the responses. Like I actually cried for many of them so i just want to thank everyone who did write us everyone's essay creative writing essay that we assigned them was incredible this one from iris though really spoke to us and we are so excited that she wrote us it's she titled her essay what the sheep sweater means to me by iris and we shortened it here just for time's sake but she says that she was following kate and william and that was kind of her royal entry point and then went all in when megan entered the picture her baby was almost one at the time of harry and megan's wedding and she really found diana through the story of megan and harry she writes like megan diana had every material privilege anyone could dream of which when you're poor seems like it would be enough to get through anything things were looking up for my family when the pandemic hit working full-time to support my family and two kids at home i broke out into literal full body hives for a few days eager for another escape she says she watched the oprah interview iris says it wasn't the fun break the wedding had been but when i heard megan admit aloud how bad things had gotten for her i thought about all the people i hadn't been able to tell about my own postpartum depression and anxiety after my first or the ways my family's life had been so stressful around the birth of my second it wasn't a fun watch but it was cathartic i cried i realized i had been in a darker place than even i knew all those years ago before this silly habit of following the royals and this podcast helped lift me up hour by hour week by week it meant something to hear the woman I thought had it all say that she felt that darkness too. It was a reminder we all needed that wealth and easy can't protect you from pain. This is what the sheep sweater means to me. That lone black sheep is a reminder that there are times when we all must find our own way through. It would be a badge of honor to wear it, and it would be a quiet reminder to myself of everything I've been through and how proud I should be that I, that we, all of us who have felt this way, are making it through, building our own palaces and finding our own joy. What a beautiful essay. I mean, we were really touched by it, as we were by many of that we heard from. The fact that we had to choose just one was brutal. But we are very happy to be able to gift this via Paulette to Iris. Yes, connecting you guys shortly. And we are so glad that the sheep's what I found its new home. And I love that she says, you know, that black sheep is kind of that badge of honor that mm-hmm. symbolizes so much more going on below the surface. So it really meant a lot. Your words literally brought us to tears. So thank you, everyone, for writing in again. All right, Royal History, what's on tap? And now, this week in Royal History. November 30th, 2017, flashing back, it was a couple of days after Meghan and Harry announced their engagement, but also it was the same time Prince William traveled to Finland for an official tour to give Santa, well, this wasn't the main reason for the tour, but he, in this tour, gave <laughs> that would Santa, be funny if it was, yeah, gave Santa Prince George's Christmas list. Prince George was just four years old, guys. Aww. Remember, uh, you know, half the age, he's eight now. Um I feel like you could say it's throwback to simpler times. Is that allowed? I mean, it was when things were very different yes. in the ro- for the royal family. We could totally say that. William revealed that George circled on his this little worksheet that he had been nice, not naughty that year, and that he wanted a police car for Christmas. So he didn't. He had like a lot of blanks on the list. There was a photo of the list, and um, he had only filled out like number three, and it said a police car. So got me kind of in the like gifting spirit i think reflecting back on this you know we have you lo- know oh go ahead oh i was gonna say i love that um 
I think I was reading it was like Prince William was a little bit bashful about giving the list, like asking for something that he was like, well, I think it's okay because he only put one present down. So I yeah. think it's fine, which I thought was <laughs> it's really so cute. Sweet. I mean, these kids need to have like, you know, I know that they're very privileged. Obviously, yeah. they have everything that they could ever want in the world, but they are entitled to the experiences of childhood too. And so. acknowledging that is like really important too. I, I really respected that. Yeah. So. It got me thinking about like, because we, it sounds like the plans for Sandringham are on the queen is planning to host invites have gone out to the fam i guess there are formal invitations i don't know um but and i was thinking back about the traditions that the royals have in the past with giving gag gifts which we've all like obviously Mm. followed along we don't know exactly what's given but i think didn't kate give harry one year like a inflatable girlfriend for the year or something like that there was like an inflatable the the queen got (laughs) a um, shower cap that said like head bitch in charge or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember in the in Finding Freedom, we found out that Megan nailed it with giving William serial killer. Remember? But it was a like spoon C- that said C-E-R-E-A-L. Yeah, you should probably say a spoon. Otherwise, that sounds weird out of context. But I was going to say, I wanted to just point our audience to a lovely and delightful Party Pieces gift guide. If you love Carol Middleton like we do, she has Carol's Christmas picks. And she also recently revealed that she's going to have lots of tomptes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Tomptes. A festive gnome that will make her grandchildren laugh. So a little nugget about the... Cambridge kids holiday plans. They are really cute decor wise, but she has lots of uh, recommendations on the Party Pieces website. I love that insight into their their holiday decorations. It's so fun because it's yeah. not as like elevated and chic as I would expect, which makes it even better. Yes. All right. First up. In this week's news, we have the Princes and the Press documentary, which was a huge part of the Thanksgiving break. I think all the chatter was about that. So there were two parts released a week apart. It was hard to track them down, too. Like, I think we were, you know, thank thank goodness for our Roros that were, like, DMing us links to the YouTube, where they could find it on YouTube, because obviously you need, like, a VPN to watch it in the U.S. Exactly. So, yeah, if you haven't watched it, we highly suggest watching it on your own and, and, you know, getting your own takeaways from it because I think that that's so important to do. But if you haven't yet, you can purchase a VPN, which is what I did for this, even though they are both on YouTube now, I believe. Um, But yeah, so that's one way to do it. Sign up for BBC, get the VPN, and then you can set your server to be London. Um, And I can send whoever an article about how to do that if they need it. But they aired... Yeah, so one week apart. So the new generation was the first one last Monday. And then this Monday was Sussexit. I can't say that very well. Sussexit, even though that's definitely Sussexit? the appropriate one. Sussexit? 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 Sussexit. Yeah. <laughs> Sussexit. But yeah. Big, that's a big deal. They didn't call it Megxit. So it's a big deal. Yeah, that's important a, to reference. Definitely a win for Harry, I think. Um, there was the palace blowback in this statement they released to the BBC from all three houses that came yeah. together and said a free and responsible and open press is of vital importance to a healthy democracy. However, it is often overblown and unfounded claims from unnamed sources that are presented as facts. And it is disappointing when anyone, including the BBC, gives them credibility. So they were pretty upset about this. 
I don't think there was much that we didn't know, but if I can see if you're a royal watcher that some of this would be surprising and shocking, I think. But if you do follow closely, you know that this is kind of how all of this operates. But I felt like it was pretty enlightening to hear from the actual journalists that we read the columns yeah. from that they confirmed it. Like Harry had mentioned it in Oprah, this sort of, you know, relationship that exists and that it's not okay. And just hearing from all these people, like the private investigators, I mean, you, like the people that participated, we should just name some of the names. Yeah, so, so there's, and it's incredible. It's kind of cool too, to put a face to a name. Cause I yes. think we forget that these are, I mean, just like we forget sometimes, you know, the Royals don't feel like real people. These journal journalists are real people who also get trolled on Twitter a lot. So there was Peter Hunt, Camilla Tomini, Roya Nika, Robert Jobson, Omid Scobie, Richard Palmer, Rihanna Mills, Johnny Diamond, Valentine Lowe, Anna Pasternak, Dan Wooten, Megan's lawyer, Jenny Afia, which was, that was I incredible. Think, huge to see her talking about the case openly while it's still going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this roster, I, there were some names that I thought, interesting why they weren't there like richard k katie nickel some people from hello mag magazine like there's just so many it's great reporters. to see ellie hall from buzzfeed but i did yes i did feel like you know it was just this sort of yeah who's who of royal reporting and to hear them confirming it was what goes on and just also it was so frustrating to watch because it's true like we never know the sources for royals and i think that that is the fundamental issue with so much of it is like who are these people that are giving all these scoops like as we learned in the documentary, so many house the houses are actually like briefing against each other. There was yeah. just a lot that was so well, complex. Let's, let's talk about that because I think breaking it into these three main players is really helpful for kind of organizing our mm -hmm. minds around it. So I think that's how we should talk about it. So there's the media, the households, and then the brothers. And it does really focus on those three as the biggest across both episodes. So with the media, we have that deal that you mentioned that Harry talked to Oprah about the invisible contract. And it is a very real thing. And it's confirmed by all these journalists. It's used, you know, not only to manipulate the royals, the media to manipulate the royals' actions, but also the public. You know, there we found out negative coverage sells papers. But with Megan, it was more than that. There was another layer. And so we want to play this clip. In the age of Twitter, a lot of complex, sensitive judgments are reduced to false binary choices. So... In asking, was press coverage of Meghan racist, one camp screams, never. Uh, and the other camp says, of course. Look, to be honest, I've never been interested in those sorts of slanging matches because the truth is always, always, always much more interesting. Racism is subtle and often subconscious. And even when she was getting a lot of positive coverage, it's clear that in some tabloid quarters racially charged tropes were evoked and gave a xenophobic whiff to her portrayal. I think that only kind of just barely touches on really what was at play there in that they, you know, they speak to Rachel Johnson who wrote the column about the exotic DNA. They speak to some of these other players who had, uh, you know, alluded to and used kind of employed racial microaggressions and tropes like he said to kind of tell their story about Megan but the media this dichotomy that is so interesting to me is it's said on camera by these journalists Kate 
they thought was hiding her face with her hair. She wasn't really posing for photographers as much. And so there were then all these stories about William being work shy, which is like an immediate and direct correlation and backlash to what those uh, to what they felt Kate was doing for the media. There's also the, you know the mention of the engagement photo call. I didn't realize that they were so mad about the sunken garden being Pond, like a being between them. Yeah, and that they only got one question before they left. And seeing the video of it, I think really hits that home. Um, but then there was Tiara Gate that came, comes out right after. So you know it's kind of a tit for tat with the media, and it's it's very it's spelled out perfectly and so um that was anything else to add about that well no i was gonna say that i think that that was the most interesting part i think was just recognizing the relationship that's supposed to exist where it's like basically the royals william and harry here get the fairy tale or the queen or charles or all of them as long as they meaning the positive press as long as they continue to play the game and the media's role is to continually renew that emotional contract with the people, but you can't go rogue. And that was like Kate with the hair. She was thought to be going rogue. Maybe she was yeah. just, maybe that was unintentional. I thought it was fascinating, right. the stuff about um, how Harry and Meghan really, I mean, they did shield the actual birth of Archie and the exact time of it. And they kind mm-hmm. of pulled one over, or that's how the media felt on them instead of giving them the exact details of when Archie was born. I think they said Megan was in labor when she actually hadn't yet. Yeah, She had already delivered Archie. And that was a real turning point that the documentary goes into where it just became incredibly, incredibly toxic, the press. And well, I think that the, me- the sorry, one last thing, I was going to say that the documentary does a great job graphing that. Well, in the blowback to that, the birth announcement in particular, that really, you know, it definitely, you can tell it struck a nerve with all these journalists that they were not, you know, following the exact protocol that Royals had dictated for years and years. The blowback is that there's these stories about the Frogmore Cottage renovations yes. and how they use that as a bludgeon to beat the couple with, which is the words taken from the documentary. Those are their words that basically, you know, oh, the, all these renovations. And then it spirals because they they even I think it was Johnny Diamond says, you know, people love interior decorating decor details. And they also love to be angry. So those two make it just this swirling mass that in you know infuriates the public, but also draws so much attention at the same time. And I thought yeah, that was really interesting. I, it's like this weird formula. I totally agree. And but just seeing like that there would be those moves by Harry or William, like that just immediately triggered in the media these reactionary negative yeah. stories. It was just terrible to see that. I mean, one last point, too, on the media is that I think for them to admit all of this on camera for the BBC means there is so much more to this story. Mm -hmm. This is just the tip of the iceberg. It's something that really needs to be examined. Like, this is not okay. But, yeah, the household. Well, that's why I feel like – and also, we haven't mentioned him yet, but the host, Amal Rajan, is just so incredible in this documentary. And I think that's – I mean – Kudos to him for examining this. I think that this is very important and we need to learn more about this. And I'm glad he he did such a good job shedding a light yeah. on this. So the next thing is the household. So they play a huge part in this deal themselves. Richard Palmer, Omid Scobie, and Peter Hunt talk about the nest of vipers. So here's that clip. I think at the best of times, the palace is a nest of vipers. And um, uh, there's, there, there's always a bit of backbiting going on. Yeah, there's been rumour for quite some time that a lot of the most damaging and negative stories about Harry and Meghan 
that have ended up in the pages of the press have come from other royal households or from other royal aides or courtiers. And from my own reporting and research, that is exactly true. That did not happen during the, the chunk of the time that I, um, I was there doing the royal family. You have to assume that they would have only done it if they'd had the approval of their principal. Um, so you have to assume they'll have done it with the knowledge of whoever they were working for. And I guess it's an indication of what at the, that point wasn't in the public domain, which was the, the fracturing of the relationship between these two brothers. And so the example I think that struck me was this, the briefings of the bullying allegations that were two years old that Valentine Lowe decided to publish in the Times, I believe. And, you know, the host, Amal, presses him. He's like, why did you wait two and a half years to publish this story? And he's like, well, that's when I was told about it. So interesting. And that, it was you right know, when this, the Oprah was Right hitting. when the Oprah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's just that the, I think the confirmation too that they act, you know, with the consent of the principal in, in most cases, although that was refuted in some other um, journalists. Well, the assumption commentary. that there's the consent. Like, I don't think that they can confirm, but it's like it's Peter Hunt was sort of illuminating that part that it's, it is, it does seem that when, during his tenure, none of these people would act or voice any of this stuff without getting the approval of these houses. And I think that was really interesting to me was learning, you know, I think it was Omen that talked about how you have to, within the Royal Press Corps, you have to either be Team Sussex or Team Cambridge Mm -hmm. because of how these men in gray brief against each other. And just knowing that that's so rampant, where it's so competitive and so fractured inside Buckingham Palace or all Clarence House and Kensington Palace, it just seems like a really messed up family you know it's hard not to make that assessment you know just witnessing that yeah and it, it it's not like i think that the the long-held belief that they're above everyone else and there isn't this family drama going on behind the scenes as we've heard over the past couple of years that it's totally out the window now like there is so much briefing going on against each other messy family dynamics in play so i think that you know confirmation of that yeah, is, things are not what they seem or what pretty, they're projected yeah yeah and pretty i would think pretty damning to everyone involved so next up the last part is the harry and william piece of this which is that they did go totally different routes in their approach to the media and to this deal so here is broadcaster trevor phillips i loved this quote from him um talking about you know how if you don't understand the deal then this is the consequences basically that you'll endure they made it clear that the historic convention, for example, about pictures of a new infant, they weren't going to go with it. And at that point, it became clear that either they had not really grasped that in return for the fairy tale, you have to give uh, the people outside the castle something, or they just decided they didn't want to play the game. And the point at which you decide you're not going to play the game, then don't expect other people to play by the rules. Which is so disheartening, but it feels like we did witness that. You know, the the British press, you know, going after them after repeatedly kind of bucking the trend of what is expected of the royals. And for William on his path to be king, he's decided that he knows you 
in order to be king, you have to play the game. Yeah, like keep the enemies closer. Right. He's going to fly on a commercial jet after it's reported Harry and Meghan. You know, there's that story about the Cambridges taking a commercial liner after they were criticized in the press for taking a private jet. But yeah, but I think that that's almost even different where it's like, I think that with William, it's like they just have different roles. And I think that it comes back to like the fact that I don't know, because the jet thing felt like that was really messed up. Like, if they really are briefing against each other and doing those things intentionally, then that's a whole other can of worms. But I think looking at the fact that, you know, it was like examining their different futures, right? Like the air and the spare dynamic where William has to have this relationship where it's like he said on the Pakistan tour, I think it was like when he met the press on the plane, he was like, consider this a group hug. But when Harry Mm -hmm. met the press on the plane during the Africa tour, it was thanks for coming guys, not that you were invited. And like the (laughs) ricochet effects of those reactions. And that's the part I think that was just so perplexing watching this. Obviously, as you said at the beginning, we know some of this from, we're not like naive about this, but Mm -hmm. hearing everyone talk about it was devastating because I do feel Obviously, the media was like the evil villain in Diana's mm-hmm. life, but it continues to be in Harry and William's life lives, and they are both navigating it in such unique ways. But what's the solution here is kind of well, how I, I think, feel. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the air and the spare dynamic is is not how the media was treating them at the time. They were expecting as much of Harry and Meghan as they expected of William and Kate. And I think that's where... Harry got so frustrated by and decided to not play the game. Um, So, well, and he also has a very different, like he's deeply, deeply affected. And like, they were different ages when with everything that they endured with Diana. Like, I think that the media is a much um, bigger enemy in his eyes than it ever was for William. It's an enemy of Williams. I'm not saying that, but I think that it's just definitely something that eats away at Harry and it always has. And so Mm -hmm. they're choosing to deal with it in different ways, but this does have to come to a head. Like that's what the documentary, I think you're right. Amal does a great job of, of sharing that because I don't think William can continue to turn a blind eye, but like also can Harry continue to fight every single battle on this where I think it was Jenny, right? The lawyer that said that they get like close to 15K mentions online a day. Right. I don't know. I just, I felt like this, it was just, this is scratching the surface. And yeah, like the documentary was just so like, this needs to be resolved and fixed. And it's so toxic. And like, how will it change when the queen takes power? I just was like blown away by this documentary. (laughs) I know, I know. Let's play, um, I loved this last quote from um, Amal. So let's play that. It's the closing quote of the second episode. You might be sitting at home thinking, why does it matter who is briefing who? Well, this is about who controls the narrative and how a person gets their version of a story into the media. Both the monarchy and the media derive their power from the stories they tell. Those stories allow each generation of our monarchy to renew its emotional contract with the people. So the media gets content, the monarchy gets consent. In royal journalism, the truth is hard to ascertain. What matters is whose version of it you, me, all of us believe. And that's where it's incredibly messed up, right? Because these journalists hold so much power and over the narrative. Right. And I think the question I was left with after watching these two episodes was where do we go from here? Yes. Because 
you know, the one person who's really not mentioned at all is the queen. And she has never, it seems in her long tenure, has never sunk to kind of this level or has never been drawn into this level of backbiting that we see. Will that change when someone else is on the throne? I mean, that's what's, there's a char, it's damning for everyone, I think. You know, Harry is portrayed as a hothead. The Sussexes wanted to do things differently, you know, which mean, many argue means they didn't understand their role in the first place. But then there's also some really shady stuff about William and Charles and keeping everything running smoothly that he agrees to this, con- you know, this this invisible contract. So, well, I thought it was interesting, Roberta, the one mention of the queen was when it said the idea that if you're if you're dull, you're safe mm-hmm. with the press. And they talked about how Megan's baby shower in New York was like open season because if the journalists feel jealous, if you're feeling too, if you're too ostentatious in your I actions, that's you're a royal. having too much. Having you're having too, too much, much fun. fun. Yeah, <laughs> like that's open season on these. And and I just I think that all of it is just gosh, I like need weeks to unpack this. I really needed to like sit with everything. I need to watch it again. But yeah. it is, uh, it's quite something that is going to need to have like a reckoning, I think. And where well, they we'll go hear, from here. I mean, the the case that Megan has against Associated Newspapers is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. That is mentioned throughout the documentary because her, her lawyer is obviously in it. But the decision is the day this episode airs. So we will hear about the decision of the appeal or at least no more by we'll get tomorrow, into it next Thursday. week. So we'll talk about that more. One parting thing that I wanted to mention that felt like a really deep hit that I <laughs> was when Camilla Tomini called Suits a bit niche. <laughs> The show. Oh, I know. <laughs> that no. made me laugh so hard because I was like, hello, well, it is super a, fan over here. A cable network show, so it's a bit niche. I was like, <laughs> wait, I don't think she knows how cable really works. Also, here. I feel like I previously worked at a publication, Good Housekeeping, and we were like clamoring to get suit stars on the cover. I feel like Meghan Markle was actually right after I left, she was um, a fashion feature that we did. I mean, we were suits obsessed. So, anyways, I just thought that that was. Uh, that was a funny little jab. So, like, I would compare it to some of the biggest shows. Yeah, that it had nine I, I, like, seasons. Harvey. I mean, it's. I, I'm sorry, but it's like not even for. I love Megan, obviously. Or about scandal. Harvey yeah, scandal. Like, yeah, like I. I don't. I'm. Or how to get away with murder. Like I'm surprised that she said it was. Or the Good <laughs> anyway. Wife. Like I feel like it's like any legal drama. Like it was very um, trendy for a long time. So, anyways. Yeah. Okay, so Barbados is officially a republic, Roberta. That was a really big ceremonial occasion this week. Dame Sandra Mason is the first president. She was elected in October, and she replaces the queen as head of state. Big moment for Barbados. What do you think about Charles being there just in general? Well, I actually thought it was really great that they invited him to be there. I think that he gave actually a really – I mean, the speech that he made is really – great. He references the atrocities, appalling atrocities of slavery and the colonialist past. I feel like we know that Black Lives Matter really spurred this on, but it's been decades in the making, this transition. So I think my biggest reaction is, you know, it was nice for Charles to be there and wish the country well. Mm -hmm. The queen also sent a note wishing them well and congratulating mm-hmm. them. They're still, Barbados is still a part of the Commonwealth, but I'm just curious what this creates as a template for other countries, you know, how many will follow suit in terms of separating. Well, yeah, I, I think I last, I read that the last grouping of countries was Guyana, Trinidad and Tobago and Dominica were all within years of each other in the seventies. So it is, a, I mean, is it a ripple effect? 
who knows when Charles well, ascends when Charles the throne, becomes king, you know, I think he's going to have to grapple we'll with a lot continue. of this. Yeah. I felt like the vibes of this though were like getting invited to your ex's wedding yeah. <laughs> that you've dated your entire life. And then yes. it's like, well, that's nice that he decided to go, but does anyone really want him there? I think it was <laughs> yeah, I think it was really touching but it's that supportive they it's him. supportive of yeah, but yeah it's like but i agree with you of the new couple <laughs> supportive of this new couple have you ever been to an ex's wedding no, Is that no have you question? have you no 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 there's no way <laughs> <laughs> um but it was nice that he showed his support I, yes I, definitely, definitely definitely and i think on the flip side charles is in the headlines a lot this week because we had the release it comes out it came out november 30th brothers and wives inside the private lives of william kate harry and megan by christopher anderson is out now but there was a very big claim that charles is the one that made a comment that comment the comment about archie's skin color but this is where the book is so fascinating to me and the interviews that Anderson has done is just but it wasn't like that like you know air quotes like that so they're kind of making a different story so it's basically that Charles was having breakfast with Camilla and he was simply pondering Archie's future complexion or their future children I don't think Archie was even according to the book I don't think Archie was even a part of the you know, I don't think Megan was pregnant according to the timeline given in the book it was just a breakfast and Camilla I guess for, you know, she chimed in with saying the child will be gorgeous and was slightly taken aback, but it was really meant or portrayed that it was a benign conversation and it was something that was twisted by courtiers. And by the time it got to Harry, it was taken out of context is what the book makes the case for, claims for. And Charles's team has refused to comment and said this is fiction, but it's just bizarre to me because I think I think not understanding that there are so many racial undertones to that little comment, like asking like like this is a prime example of a microaggression right like this is othering someone and i think that that you know the author going on to and he went on to in, on some news channel i'm not sure the which today one show to, to the today show to defend that this was a benign comment but really there's so much there was a, a really good piece on nbc this morning about how you know this is one example of let me see if i can find it It's by Sarah Gaither, and it's just one example that, you know, identity questioning is far too common, and it it does. There's so many studies about the implications of impairing one's social belonging. You know, if you are multiracial, you're used to things like, is your hair real? Do you speak English? Where are you from? And maybe Charles meant it in a benign way, but it still is not... I don't think we can say that that justifies the comment. I don't know. Well, I think what fascinated me too is that, you know, just after watching the princes and the press and learning so much about all how all the inner workings go with the men in gray suits, if the palace does brief people for books and help with sources, I'm not saying that they did for this book. I think Christopher Anderson has worked for decades with the royals. He has a lot of sources. But it just feels like this updated version makes it worse versus full-on denial. Like, I think that, it just it, to me, it doesn't make it better. It's like no, no, no. It wasn't like that. It just feels, uh, I don't know. It's like, do you want an explanation of it? Do you want to know what? Like, I think it shouldn't have happened in the first place. And maybe that's the bad thing is that they're trying to continue to explain what went down. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Versus, it's not that I want them to deny it. It's more 
that it feels complex to try to give your version of it. And I think that that's the problem sometimes with this, like they said, they said, you know, it's two different sides of the story, but I think that it doesn't always benefit to try to correct the story. I don't know. I'm right. No. And just (laughs) as the documentary does it, I mean, the princes in the press, it, it does peel back the layers of the men in gray suits working to kind of run to Harry's team and tell them what's happened and how kind of, regardless of what was said, how backstabbing this all is, right? In yeah, a way like it like, kind of gives, Im- like it to pin it on the men in gray suits, like if the conversations hap- happened at all, it's still a really bad thing. And mm. But it, then it's like bizarre to add more context to it, I guess is what I'm saying, where it's like Camilla's now a part of it and she comes out looking good. It's like yeah. bizarre. I loved her comment. Gorgeous, <laughs> But of like course. did this happen? Like I just, I guess that's my whole thing. Like I just don't know how to trust a lot of this right now. Well, I think... The last I read was um, Clarence House lawyers are starting to kind of prickle and, um, you know, threaten legal action for this. So, I mean, will we ever find out the truth? Who knows? But I definitely think saying this is a benign comment and he didn't mean it that way. I'm using air quotes is not an excuse for that even line of questioning. And then am I allowed to just say one other thing that that it's like, what do they defend? What do they like? I think that that's also it makes my head hurt just being like, okay, so they might litigate over this, but like they won't litigate over some of the headlines that happened about Megan or like, well, we didn't have time for this. But the Tatler piece is a huge part of the documentary. And Anna Pasternak says she was in your Condé Nast New York Coons Tatler was in talks about the Catherine the Great piece that really, really ruffled feathers for the Cambridges. Yeah. For five months, they were in talks with the Kensington Palace lawyers about it. So what they choose is really interesting. Um, But let's We're going to end on on a bright spot. The Duchess of Cambridge is hosting a Christmas concert on December 8th. I feel like at least they'll be caroling. Like, I'm very excited, to be honest. I just want to be a person that wanders around the neighborhood and carols. Like I said here before I sang acapella, and I just like... I just love caroling. I think that the spontaneity of it, I know this isn't spontaneous at all, but I just think that's, I love that. But it's going to be at Westminster Abbey. And so interesting, like a potential repercussion from the BBC documentary is that it was moved to ITV, which I find Yes, last minute switch of broadcaster. Yes. So the Westminster Abbey choir will perform. The guests are going to be first responders and charity workers and volunteers. There's, who knows? There's layers of drama, but I just want to know if... Prince Louis and Charlotte and George will be there. Will we get a glimpse of the whole fam? We need some holiday cheer. And Kate and William caroling. That would that would be the icing on the cake there. What's your sure. favorite holiday carol? I was just trying to think of that. I I do really like it's the most wonderful time of year, which I just try to sing. Although my voice is hoarse from having <laughs> a, a sore throat. Hopefully Aww. not sick. Um, but I I. What is yours? What I is just, yours? I've always loved Oh Holy Night. That's the one that like pops oh, into It's, it's just so like good. very, like if you hear it in a chapel, it's just so beautiful. The old school version of Baby It's Cold Outside, yeah. which I know, I know now it's, now it's not, not PC. It's not PC to <laughs> but say I that. I still really like it. It's a great so, song. Sorry. It it's is a really not, good song. I used to the sing it. The message is not the in, best. I used to sing it in class with one of my guy friends and we would go back and forth to that. <laughs> before, before it was, uh, yeah, it was re-examined. But yeah. anyways.
before we adjourn the royal pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. My low is just this Ghislaine Maxwell trial kicking off this week, and then Andrew was named on the second day. So I feel like there's going to be more mentions of him. But Epstein's longtime pilot, Larry Vasoki, was cross-examined by the defense team on Tuesday morning about specific flights and passengers, and he named Andrew as being one of those, along with Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and more. So just... I mean, we're going to hear his name more throughout this trial, it seems like. But definitely that mention is, you know, it's it's the first of many, I'm sure. Yeah, day two. (laughs) Already there. And then there's also this story about Prince Andrew and Prince Albert kind of working together to establish this bank that Andrew's friend wanted set up in Monaco using his royal connections to help open the bank for someone that he did owe money to. So, I mean... This is tying up multiple countries' royals, which segues perfectly into your low. Yeah, so Roberta, I've just been really following along. Uh, thanks to Elizabeth Holmes, I feel like she wrote that, but also just keeping up with Princess Charlene of Monaco and everything that's going on there. I feel like just the whole story of how she's been quietly unhappy in her marriage, uh, presumably, or just based on anecdotal stories since 2011, but then how she's been away in South Africa. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast at Mm -hmm. one point because of ear surgery, and then she went back, but now she's been admitted to a treatment facility for emotional and physical exhaustion. And Albert says it's not a relationship issue, but then like just seeing the national day in Monaco where the kids were holding up those signs, we miss you, mommy. It's just, I feel like it's a very heartbreaking thing to watch. And I think I'm, I know it's not the British royal family, but I think I'm equally intrigued by what's going on there and the fact, you know, she's clearly struggling and also seems kind of voiceless to me through all of this. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I just, that's kind of been a low, just, I've definitely been clicking on all those stories about it. So I don't know. Well, and he and his kind of like cronies are talking to the press a lot. He did an article for People Magazine, but then she hasn't been able to talk at all, it seems like. So yeah, it is super intriguing and very soap opera-y and we'll definitely yeah. be following along. Um, my high this week is our book got included <laughs> in People Magazine's Royal Gift Guide, which is super exciting. I had to just, that's like a pinch, pinch ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also Elizabeth Holmes' SMT gift guide. So I mean, that's so making it. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's exciting. Yeah. No. If you haven't pre-ordered yet, I just got the first copy. <gasps> and I don't you're have gonna love yet. it. Everyone pre-order. I know it's on its way to you. It's coming soon. Yes, yeah. December twenty-first. It's out, but it's just as beautiful in person as I imagined and as we hoped. So definitely, if you haven't got a chance, please, please pre-order your copy today. My high is the fact that it is royal Christmas card season. I It dawned on me thanks to the Mountbatten Windsor's Instagram account, which delightfully shared if anyone needs them, every single royal address you might need to send oh, yours bless. out. You need some international bless. stamps if you're U.S.-based. I cannot wait to sit down and pen them. I'll, th- I'll throw on some holiday music in the background. I did just order my Christmas cards. Did you, are you sending them this year, Roberta? I'm not. I didn't get around to it. And I feel kind of like... There's a lot of pressure. I don't even know, though, if I would send on. the Royals like a photo card. That's weird. I'll probably send like some nice stationery instead. But I'm very excited about holiday card a season. A photo card would be cute, though. I have like a little fin. Did you take your Christmas card pictures yet? So we, j- I just did like a mashup of a few photos I've snapped because cute. we did not do a formal photo shoot this year. I love doing I applaud. it. I know. I applaud anyone who has like the wherewithal to get that all done during this crazy season. So like... 
great. Kudos to you if you've you got to do it in like July. I think you right. got to get organized early. Yep. That's a good <laughs> tip. Just do it like in a random earlier time of year. Okay. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Here's one. It says an essential part of my week. As an avid fan of British history and an interest in all things royal, this podcast started out as the perfect way to keep up on the royal news. What it has turned into is essential part of my week and i liken to catching up with friends as the hosts delve into royal news and history at time with humor and at times with gravity but always thoughtfully and we please try. leave us a royal review <laughs> yeah we, we try we try to <laughs> we make ourselves laugh at least i'm glad that carries across to other people and please subscribe to our podcast follow us on instagram royally obsessed podcast you can send us an email info at gallery podcasts dot com until next week god, god save, save the, the pod. pod her majesties of royally obsessed have retired for this episode god save the pod and if you fancy the podcast give royally obsessed the royal rating of five stars on apple podcasts follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast and join our facebook group royally obsessed royally obsessed is a gallery podcast production